discouraging. Every Sunday that thing plays, and I'm like, there's nothing I can say to live up to that. It's, it just builds you to this level, and it's like, yeah, it's just him again, you know. <laughs> uh, I want to start right from the beginning today with, with the actual message title, The Cave of Commitment and Courage. We're going to meet a guy today who's not real well known in Scripture, and I'm always fascinated when I read Scripture. I think about the individuals that, you know, the focus of heaven was put upon, and I think to myself, they probably had no clue no clue that what they were doing made any difference at all and yet heaven is recording and generation after generation benefits we're going to meet this guy named Obadiah and uh, he's an interesting guy from a lot of different angles but you're going to see him in a cave situation where he displays these two traits commitment and courage now I want to go to a little survey type of thing with you I'm curious about something if I can go to my next slide what do you think comes first does a person have commitment first and commitment brings courage or do you think a person has courage first and then that brings commitment how many for the first commitment first and then courage let's see your hands okay nobody's peeked at the outline hopefully um, second how many say courage first and then commitment all right a L- little bit more on, on the second one now as this message goes on I'm going to tilt my hand to you a little bit I don't necessarily think that what I'm going to say is to be locked in but we're definitely going to deal with this subject now as we sit here today if I were to say to you guys uh, how many of you believe that when Jesus said in John 14 6 I am the way singular the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but by me or if I were to say Acts 4 12 there is not salvation in any other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus if I were to say to you how many of you believe that Jesus alone is Lord he is the creator of heaven and earth he is the creator of all things he is the one for whom or through before whom every human being will someday stand for judgment all those statements if I were to say them in here how many would agree with those statements Christ is the way, the truth, and life. He's Lord of all. He's the judge of all. Okay. And I'm safe to say that. I didn't feel fearful of you guys. I didn't feel that you would be angry at me. I didn't feel that you would throw anything at me. But how many of you know that if I were to say those words that I just said to you, Jesus is Lord, if I said those standing in Afghanistan, if I stood, said those words in Saudi Arabia, if I said those words in Pakistan, if I said those words in Brunei, if I said those words in Nigeria, if I said those words in Iran, what do you suppose would happen to me? Any idea? I'd be immediately arrested and then sentenced to death. You have to understand, we live in a world where still today people are put to death simply for their belief about their creator. Now, you might say, well, Randy, that's a little far-fetched. Well, we're, we're going to see that Obadiah has to show tremendous courage and commitment in this cave that he finds himself associated with because the government in his day, the government of his land was turning against those that were simple followers of God. And they were literally rounding them up and executing them. Now, that sounds so far-fetched. We're, we're Americans. We, we've had the luxury all these years Uh, being able to do what we just did here say Jesus Lord worshiping as we choose pretty much speaking our minds saying what we want but that's not the way it is necessarily everywhere and it's not the way it's necessarily going to be all the time in this country as well let me introduce you to a lady she's from Finland her name is Paivi Rasanan or Rasan yeah Rasanan it's hard for me to pronounce anyway the minister of Finland and you can see what it says I will not renounce my faith let me give you a little background on her for 27 years she has been in the parliament in Finland kind of like our congress 27 years but she's also a faithful follower of Christ well a few years back she wrote a pamphlet uh, her and another pastor wrote a pamphlet and it simply stated that God's word teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman I'm just going to put you on the spot how many of you believe that just like God's word says marriage is only exclusively between a man and a woman how many agree with that statement can I see your hands all right yeah 
she made that statement in a pamphlet and then she also did something else on twitter she literally just printed out all she did was print out what the bible says in romans chapter 1 verse 24 through 27 some of you know what romans 1 24 through 27 says but just to give you a little you know kind of capsulized version of it it teaches it's one of the most uh, exclusively clear passages of scripture in the bible it's not the only one but it's one of the clearest that teaches that homosexuality is not God's design in other words it is sin the word sin means uh, hamartia in Greek it means missing the mark Romans 1 24 through 27 says with crystal clarity clarity that homosexuality is not God's design it is sin she merely printed out Romans 1 24 through 27 on, on Twitter all right 27 years she's been part of the parliament in Finland she is now up for charges on hate speech because of those two things yeah because she said marriage is between a man and a woman just based on God's word and because she said Romans 1 24 through 27 says homosexuality uh, is not God's design it's it's sin and because of that she's up on hate charges she could serve two years in prison two years in prison now that's in Finland places where we don't even think about that kind of activity being considered now I could go on and talk about other places in the world where the same thing is happening I'm telling you there there's a tidal wave approaching there, there's a tsunami approaching and if you think that we're going to escape it here in America you are sadly wrong and it's going to target mostly people like me it's people that simply will refuse to say anything other than what God's word clearly says people that if necessary don't look forward to it I'm not the apostle Paul I don't want to be writing letters from jail <laughs> in fact there'll be very few letters coming from Pastor Randy from, from jail <laughs> uh, but if it has to happen so be it so we're approaching a day in this country you got to hear me now because it's already happening in Canada where they're trying to take certain certain statements people that like us that believe the Bible as God's word and that hold to God's word they're saying more and more because of the gay lesbian lobby the gay lesbian transgender lobby folks you just need to be awakened to this it is pushing things that have never been pushed in all of human history go back to the start of human history draw a timeline right down to about the past five years or so they started their push about 15 years or so ago but the past five years it's gotten very intense to the point that just saying what God says in his word is more and more and more being considered hate speech and it's coming to our country as well and it's, and it's going to put ordinary followers of Jesus in a terrible position where you're going to be confronted more and more with the decision do I hold to what God says in his word and become very unpopular or maybe even lose my job maybe lose my social standing in the community maybe, maybe even have to face jail time or worse in the future or will I stay loyal to Christ? You say, Randy, you know, that, that just doesn't sound realistic. I mean, trust me, if you, if you have to hear and see the things that I have to hear and see, in the past three to five years in particular, more and more cases come to me where parents, grandparents, various ones are saying, you know, I don't know what to do, Randy. My, my teenage kid or my 12-year-old or my 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, is saying they're, they're confused about their, their sexuality because they've been taught in school X, Y, Z and, and they have to choose their gender and so on. I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a terrible, terrible thing that is being done to our children. Some of you think, of Randy, you know, all these years, FCF, 30 years, you've been a leader here and you, you never talk about political things. I'm not talking about political things. I'm talking about something vicious that the evil one has unleashed against children and we no longer have the, the right to stand back and act as though it's not happening. Now, what I'm going to be committing myself to for you parents, because I feel very guilty about this, I'm going to be moving every stone, turning over every rock, doing everything I can to supply you with tools in the coming future where, where you can navigate the public school system with your kids and hopefully protect them from the kind of assault that they're going to be under. It's not fair. It's not right. It is evil through and through when you take little defenseless kids they can't reason and you start flooding their minds with these lies this deception this propaganda uh, this indoctrination 
This is, this is evil that the world has never seen before. Never have children been attacked like this. And it's time where Christians have to get there. We've got to get our heads straight. We've we got to get our minds made up. Where are we going to stand? Are we going to stand? That's the kind of situation we're going to find our character in today, Obadiah, where he decides it's time to take a stand. So let me take you into the text. We're in 1 Kings 18. This is the era where Elijah the prophet rises up. He, he comes on the scene in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're about 50 years away from the kingdom of Israel split, you know, kind of like you remember the American Civil War. Imagine that if after that Civil War, the north and the south never regained union again. That's kind of what happened in Israel. Uh, you had three kings you had Saul that reigned for 40 years you had David that reigned for 40 years you had Solomon that reigned for 40 years but Solomon's taxation was so abusive that when he died and his son Rehoboam took over the Israelites said whoa whoa, whoa, wait wait a minute we're not going to go along with you unless you're going to go along a little bit better with us another guy comes up a rival named Jeroboam the kingdom splits and so for the rest of the time in the Bible you read around you read about the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom the northern kingdom is where we're going to focus our attention today. They existed from 930 B.C. all the way up until 722. In 722, they were overrun by the Assyrian Empire, never heard of again. So it's like 10 tribes. Israel was made up of 12 tribes, kind of, kind of like our states. Imagine that like 40 or 45 of our states were overtaken by another nation and just never heard from again. That's what happened with the northern kingdom. We're in the northern kingdom. A little more history northern kingdom and southern kingdom split the northern kingdom has 19 kings all of them evil all of them lead the people further and further away from God the southern kingdom has 19 kings also in its history it goes from the 930 split all the way up to 586 BC when the Babylonians finally overrun them but they had out of the 19 kings about eight of them that were righteous and godly so there was a, a change there the southern kingdom is where you had Jerusalem the temple where scriptures were and so there was a little bit more of a foundation there anyway we're looking at the northern kingdom today we're looking at the seventh of the 19 evil northern kings his name is Ahab he's the most notorious of them all perhaps the most evil of them all and it's at that time that God brings up this prophet Elijah on the scene okay a lot of historical background let me jump into the text so Ahab summoned Obadiah Obadiah is our main character who was in charge of what so let's pause Obadiah had a cushy life Obadiah was a man of privilege Obadiah was a big shot okay he was a man that had a lot of privilege a lot of power he had a comfortable lifestyle he's over he's in charge of the whole palace of King Ahab but here's the problem Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord Ahab not so how many here know, know Ahab's wife's name say it out loud Jezebel okay she'll come up later in this as Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah recognized him at once and bowed, down, bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my lord, Elijah, he asked? Yes, it is, Elijah replied. Now go and tell your master, meaning Ahab, Elijah is here. There had been a drought on the land for about three years. Elijah was now calling, uh, you know, God through Elijah calling back for rain again and he was going to have a confrontation with the prophets of Baal you read about that on your own in first uh, Kings 18 and 19 anyway oh sir Obadiah protested what harm have I done to you that you are sending me to my what death at the hands of who Ahab so Obadiah says whoa, whoa Elijah what are you doing man and, and here's he's going to explain why he feels like this is a death sentence as soon as I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. When Ahab comes and cannot find you, he will kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord. How long? All my life. Now, you know, obviously, he's, he's just kind of summarizing his childhood. We don't know when he put his trust in the Lord and became his father, but he's saying, you know, my whole life. He's saying, why, why do you want to see me killed? You know, I, I'm going to go tell Ahab you're here and the Spirit of the Lord is going to take you somewhere else and Ahab is certainly going to kill me. How many of you can tell so far Obadiah is a person who wants to stay alive and fears for his life? Can we see that just, just really? Yeah, he, he's a rational guy. He's got a good position in, in the kingdom. Let's go on. 
Has no one told you, this is Obadiah talking, has no one told you, my Lord, about the time when Jezebel was trying to kill the Lord's prophets and I hid a hundred of them in two caves and supplied them with food and water. So here we have Obadiah talking to Elijah and he says, look, he says, I'll go get Ahab and bring him here, but you have to kind of give me your word. You read the rest of the passage, Elijah does. Uh, he gives this word that he'll stay there but Obadiah refers back to a time when Jezebel was rounding up all the prophets of the Lord now you have to understand in this, in this day in this particular era they had something called the school of the prophets it didn't mean that everybody in the school of the prophets they were kind of like a community of those that devoted themselves to the scripture to learn it to live it to pass it on to others they weren't all prophets but individuals like Elijah who was a prophet you say man what's the difference Elijah was receiving direct revelation from God and when he spoke and it was written down in scripture it's the word of God others in this community of prophets they were those that took the word that God gave to the prophets and then taught it to others so so make it simple Jezebel was simply rounding up all the real followers of God's word those that trusted in God took his word seriously lived it out and shared it with others she, she was rounding them up and killing them now as I said at the beginning of this message that's still happening in parts of the world you go to Brunei and you start sharing the word of God you're going to be killed you go to Mauritania start sharing the word of God you're going to be killed you go to Saudi Arabia you do the same you go to Iran do the same go to Afghanistan Pakistan you're going to be killed it doesn't sound realistic as you and I sit here that somebody would simply kill us for what I'm doing this morning. They would immediately arrest me and kill me. And then if you went home and you lived out your, your devotion to Christ in his word and shared it with others, you would eventually be rounded up too. Do you think the world could ever get to be such a bad, bad place that the followers of Jesus could be targeted rounded up arrested and maybe executed again because in Matthew 24 if you read it on your own that is exactly what Jesus says is going to occur prior to his return will it happen here in the United States I don't know I don't know I don't have a good feeling about it though in the direction that we're going particularly in the past five years with the gay lesbian transgender lobby pushing us over the precipice pushing us toward hate speech pushing us toward legal charges against those that simply honor the scripture the way that people have honored the scripture for generations I see a dangerous dangerous thing happening in this country well, let me go on how does commitment happen let's let's talk about it because this is the cave of commitment and courage how does commitment happen I mean you know we hear jokes all the time about people that have commitment problems I mean is it just a temperamental thing that you're born with I mean do we just some of us have an easy time committing ourselves to things maybe that's so to some degree but might there be something more to that I mean why did Obadiah do this you got to think it's true Obadiah has a great job he is the head over the king's palace. He's going to eat the best food, drink the best drink. He's going to have security. He's going to live in luxury. And even though he was a devoted follower of the Lord, he didn't really have to take action. He didn't have to take those hundred prophets and hide them because he hid them at the risk of his own life you read elsewhere in scripture he took 50 in one cave and 50 in another and then he continues to feed them and give them water that would be a, a really difficult task seeing to it that that much food and water were presented to these people we don't know how long he hid them for it might have been for a very long time but here's what we do know by hiding these individuals these followers of the Lord from Jezebel he was not just risking losing his job he, he was risking losing his life now why did he why did he do that we have nothing in scripture nothing in scripture anywhere that tells us that the Lord came to him and said Obadiah this is what I want you to do so Obadiah took initiative he did this on his own he didn't have to do this he could have just said you know I'm just going to pray for uh, the prophets of the Lord I'm just going to pray for the faithful of the Lord that, that God will intervene and protect them but there's no indication that he would have I, I meet Christians and I'm not trying to be insulting here because the Christians that I'm going to talk about in a second 
are, are those that have a real passion for Christ. But I meet Christians that are confused about spiritual maturity. They, they look for direct guidance from God on everything. Yes, we should pray for guidance from God on all things in life. But you have to understand the way God wants us to develop and grow. What, what some Christians mean by God's of God is before they make any decision, big or small, they want some kind of a direct word from God. They want some kind of a sign from God. And they look at that as a higher form of spirituality. To have made an independent decision like Obadiah made, because there's no indication that Obadiah sought the Lord in some special way at all. He saw a bad situation. He saw God's people in trouble. He saw God's word being trampled on. And he took initiative and made a risk he put his life on the line when he didn't have to and when God didn't directly tell him to and yet God records this guy in his word spiritual maturity folks is that we get so close to God we so know his mind and his heart we know we so know his thoughts and his feelings his plans and his purposes that his heart and our hearts just kind of come together that's what it means to be a worshiper of God in spirit and truth it means I love the way you think Lord I love the way you feel I love your plans and purposes your ways become my ways and they just kind of melt together and that's what spiritual maturity God wants children followers of his that are grown up and enough that we care so much about dad's business that we do what dad would do and we don't have to be told 10 times to do it how many of you in here have had children can I see your hands <laughs> almost everybody when your kid is four you don't mind having to tell them every single time to go take a shower or take a bath right you, you expect it when they're four you, you know okay it's time just thinking go go take a bath go take a shower you know you don't mind that at all. They're four years old. But when they're 44, <laughs> when they're 44, you don't want to still be doing it, right? You want them to grow up. We want them to mature and to take initiative. Spiritually mature people are not looking for signs anymore. They're not looking for direct words. They get into the word of God. They let the word of God get into them. Their spirit and God's spirit just come together like this. They love the way God thinks. They love the way God feels. They love his plans. They love his purposes. Their heart and God's heart just kind of beat in rhythm. And we take initiative as mature followers of Jesus to do the things that we know our father wants done. That was Obadiah. I don't know how he pulled it off. I don't know how he grew to such a place in the dire circumstances he was in think about it he didn't even have a bible he didn't have a whole bible it wasn't written yet he would have maybe had the the books of moses you know the first the first the pentateuch first five books but that's about it but man he knew the heart of god and so how does commitment how how did obadiah come to this place now i'm gonna i'm gonna pick this apart a little bit for you but i'm gonna share some verses before we go there let me share this one first this was written to a king, one of the, the 19 kings of the southern kingdom. He was a righteous king. His name, his name was Ace. Oh. <laughs> Asa was his name. And uh, these words where the Lord was speaking to Asa toward the end of his life, but there is a principle that is applicable all down through time. And I'm telling you, if you get what this is saying, and I, I shared this with the men a few weeks back at the breakfast, um, this can potentially change your life. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. So as so you get the picture, God is literally always looking, always looking, looking. Well, who are you looking for, Lord? The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen. Let's, let's amplify that word a little bit. To strengthen, to empower those whose hearts are, what does it say? I'm telling you, as a young guy, when I stumbled across this verse, I thought man I, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my time and I'm definitely not the sharpest tool and I'm not the brightest person but I can be that guy I can be that guy for what you've done for me Lord I'm going to be that guy and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic but this church exists today because at a point in my life as a very young man not knowing at all what it would mean or where it would take me I said I want to be that guy I am so in love with you. You have so captured my heart. I not only trust you, I like you. I love you. I want to be like you. And I want to I lead as many people as possible to know you because there is no greater gift, no greater blessing, I know it, than I can ever give to anybody than to, 
to introduce them to you and I want to be that guy I want to be fully committed and from this day on I'm going to push myself in that direction God uses faithfully he empowers we don't have to be the smartest we don't have to be the best we may have lots of blotches in our record but if we say God I'll be I'll be your man I'll be your woman you want, you're looking for people that are just you're just looking for anyone that'll be fully committed to you sign me up from this day forward sign me up and God I'm telling I'm, I'm telling you this God will do extraordinary things in your life if you mean it if you become fully committed to him I don't care who you are I don't care what stage you're at in your life you might be 95 you commit yourself fully to the Lord now and he will still do extraordinary things in you and through you this is this is equal opportunity God is searching he's looking who can I find that'll be fully committed so that I can empower them and work in them and work through them Obadiah Obadiah was one of those people I don't know how it happened it said that he was a believer in the Lord a follower of the Lord since his earliest days somehow God's word captured his heart he got a clear picture in his mind of who God is what he was like and he wanted to serve him and please him even though everyone in his environment was living in a in a counter way he had caught a glimpse of the beauty of the heart of God the plan of God the kingdom of God and he was utterly devoted for the rest of his days to that king and to that kingdom <laughs> you know how I'm always making remarks about my nose running <laughs> and uh, this lady pulled me aside last week she was very serious she might be here this morning matter of fact she said you know you've probably had a stroke I said <laughs> she said yeah yeah you probably had a stroke and you just don't know it because that's one of the manifestations of it and I'm like okay you know I'm gonna definitely check that out I thought it was just my brain fluid leaking I had looked that up on the internet <laughs> anyway personalize this one today and you may say no not me I'm gonna be honest with you I'm not trying to be negative or critical or condemning but most people don't don't sign up for that most most people are uncomfortable with that being fully committed to the Lord so if you're one that's not commi fully committed to the Lord you're just kind of blending in you're, you're part of the norm because the truth the sad truth is very few people will sign up for that but the other side is that man you talk about the opportunity of a lifetime we only get one little short life um, you want the ride of a lifetime commit yourself fully to the Lord you you will never regret it now it'll put you in some situations you never dreamt of and you'll go through some learnings that you never would have probably wanted to learn but man oh man you can do nothing better for yourself Obadiah somehow he made this Let, let's plumb a little more because we're looking for why how, how does commitment happen well Obadiah had a glimpse of God he was in God's word God's word was in him he trusted God he liked God he loved God and, and this was the start of his commitment he got this picture in his mind there's nobody like the Lord there's nobody that thinks the way he thinks there's nobody that wants what he wants there's nobody as beautiful and as kind and as right doing as him I, I want to be like that I want that kind of a world I want that kind of a kingdom this vision started to capture his heart it's the only way it happens let me share another passage with you Psalm 37 this is David a guy who we spent two, two weeks in a row in a cave with David wrote this he says commit everything you do to the Lord trust in him and he will help you so this is a little different it's, it's saying okay don't just trust in the Lord don't just commit yourself to the Lord but commit everything you do to him he, he's saying David is saying what I've learned by experience you'll see the Lord will help you commit everything commit your vocation to the Lord Co commit your habits to the Lord commit the use of your imagination to the Lord commit the use of our time and our talents and our treasure to the Lord he's saying just commit your whole life to him you won't be you won't regret it but you've got to trust him if you don't trust him you won't commit your whole life to him but if you do these things he'll help you and you'll see it you'll see the difference in your life one more I want to share with you and this gets a little more cutting this is a little more personal this is a little more down to our time you see Obadiah 
didn't have this challenge facing him because the whole Bible had not been written. Christ had not come. God had not revealed himself fully in Christ. The challenge to us today, now that God has revealed himself completely in Christ, it's a little higher, frankly. These are the words of Jesus. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, get it, publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. So this is different. We don't know that Obadiah had openly told Ahab the king that he was a follower of the Lord. He may or may not have, but that was not the obligation then because God had not fully revealed himself. He didn't have the whole Bible. He didn't have the revelation of God in Christ, but we do. And Jesus made very clear that those that honestly trusted in him and were his followers, that we needed to be public about it. We needed to let people know, you follow who you want, but I'm following Jesus. Uh, You build your life on what you want. I'm building my life on Jesus' word because I believe he's the creator of the universe, the lover of our souls, that he died and he rose again. And I'm putting all my trust in him. I'm going to openly confess that I'm his follower. Now, pause for a minute. And just ask yourself, are there certain individuals, are there certain contexts where you are uncomfortable about acknowledging yourself as a follower of Christ? I'm not saying you need to yell it out, parade it around, shout it all the time. And there may be cases, listen to me carefully now, there may be cases where you, like Obadiah, God has assigned you to be, as it were, a secret agent for him. God sort of plants Obadiah to save many people, but he's not so open about his loyalty. He's open when he can be with Elijah. It might be that God has put you in a place of vocation, put you in a circumstance somewhere where you've got to still own it that you're a follower of Jesus, but that he wants you to kind of keep it on the lowdown so that you can influence the environment that you are in effectively. Jesus said that we are to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Some of you, God might have called you just like he called Joseph. Joseph was called to influence the nation of Egypt. Daniel was called to influence the nation of Babylon. He was immersed, both of those guys, immersed in anti-God environments, but they were open though. You know, they, they let it be known when it was appropriate that they are followers of the Lord, but then they use their influence behind the scenes. And God may be calling some of you to something like that. You've got, you got to have discernment, folks. You've got to know when to be very open and forthright and draw the line in the sand and say, if I live or if I die, I will, I will be open about my devotion to Christ. There's a time to, there's a time not to. There's a place for, there's a place not for. We, we need to discern these things. But generally speaking, and this is going to get to be a smaller and smaller window Uh, about our willingness to acknowledge our union with Christ as time goes on so how I still haven't quite answered how does commitment happen let me break it down for you commitment starts with consideration what is it that I'm thinking about being committed to Obadiah had to at some point decide man do I try to do something for the prophets of the Lord that, that Jezebel is rounding up and killing? Nobody seems to be doing anything. Nobody seems to be caring. Maybe I'll just pray for them or, or maybe you know, I'll send a ham sandwich to them when I can or something like that. But at some point, he was considering this issue and he was considering it from a personal standpoint. He wasn't considering it like somebody needs to do something. How many know that somebody is always, you know, we're always looking for somebody. Somebody does everything, but the somebody is me and you. But Obadiah started considering this thing. He's thinking about it. If, I, if, somebody, if somebody doesn't do something, they're all going to be killed. All the, those that hold true to God's word are going to be wiped out by Jezebel. And he finally thinking, okay, somebody's got to pop their head up and take a risk. Conclusions. He starts thinking about, you know, I might lose my job. And I got a good job. Uh, I might lose my life and I have a good life but, but nevertheless he thinks now nah, I, gotta, I gotta keep on <laughs> this is so funny I see the worship team panicking and come to stage uh, you, you got a long way to go my brother um, <laughs> there's a second set of C's there, Dan, 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 Dan go, go on home for a while Dan eat a ham sandwich <laughs> they have plugs in their or ears, or ear plugs so they can't really hear me but your, your fearless leader will tell you you're up here too soon you're you're about 20 minutes too soon but it's okay I like having you (laughs) Uh, here's why this happened 
my message concludes with another one of these little doodads like this. But next time it's four C's instead of three C's. They got their C's mixed up. Randy Dan has never done a message that short. Never. Never. <laughs> with the exception of Christmas Eve. <laughs> so Obadiah, he's considering this thing. And he comes to some, some conclusions that, you know what? Their lives are important enough for me to risk my life. These are the people of God. They're supplying the word of God to others. I'm going to take the risk. He had to think it through. Is the cost worth it? This is what we do when we're considering commitment and how commitment develops. We, we consider the situation, and we say, is the cost worth it? What, what price might be involved here? And then finally, before we make commitment, we come to this stage. Convictions. It means this. It means, you know, I don't care anymore what anybody else is thinking. I don't care what anybody else does. I now know what I must do. I now know what I believe. I know what the cost may be. I know what the stakes are. And I don't care if anybody else is following. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to devote myself to him. I'm going to devote myself to his people. I'm going to sacrifice my time. And if need be, I'm going to sacrifice my health and my life because I want to. I'm not under duress. Obadiah was not under duress. There was nobody forcing him, chasing him. God was not even boxing him into a corner and saying, come on, Obadiah. There's no indication that. He's coming to a place where he says, you know what? If I die, I die. But I have convictions. This is the place where I will lay down my life. That's the basis of real commitment, commitments that we stick to. If somebody's pressing us or if we're under pressure from the outside about some commitment, we really won't make a lasting commitment in most cases. It has to come from within. It has to become a personal conviction. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I will live. And if need be, this is how I will die. That's where lasting commitments come from. <laughs> They're going to have such a funny conversation about this. Let me go on to the second point. So what makes courage waken? Now, I'm giving myself away. I believe we confuse courage with fearlessness. Now, now I know, um, have known quite a few people in my lifetime that are pretty darn fearless. Uh, and and they, they always are just interesting, amazing people. But I secretly think to myself sometimes, you're not fearless, you're just foolish, you, you know? You're just like taking stupid risks that you should care more about your body, you know, care more about your mind. Um, standing in front of a truck because you're fearless, I don't consider as very admirable. I just think you're foolish, you know. So I've met some people, though, and you may be one of them. God bless you if you're fearless. I am not fearless. <laughs> um, but there are people that are fearless, and we mistake fearlessness with courage. They could not be more different. Here's what I believe, and I think that if you think it through, you'll, you'll come to the same, same idea. It is impossible to be courageous. It is impossible to have courage <laughs> unless you have fear. Because courage is acknowledging my fear, looking at my fear, feeling my fear through and through, and saying something is so important, no matter how much I fear, no matter what the consequence is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because this is more important than me. That's the decision that Obadiah came to. And we'll see that in the passage. Think about it, a couple of little things we read. He said to Elijah, he says, Elijah, if I tell Ahab you're here and you bolt, the Spirit of God takes you away, and Ahab comes back and there's no Elijah here, he says, he's going to kill me. Obadiah cared about being killed. He was afraid of death just like any sane person. Okay, but he also concluded there are some things more important than my ongoing existence. That, that's where courage comes. Courage comes where something is, I conclude something is so important that even though I'm afraid, even though I'm terribly uncomfortable, I, I, I'm going to just do something. This is not to guilt trip anybody or push anybody, but, it, but it's on my mind, so I'm just going to suppose that maybe the Spirit of God put it there. We put these little brochures out about kids' ministry. This was not planned at all. I probably won't even do it in the second service. We put his little brochures out about kid ministry. And I know some of you are thinking, like, man, I'd so like to help those kids. But, oh, shoot, man, those kids intimidate me. <laughs> and I don't know if I have the time. And, man, you got to prepare. And I don't know if I want to be obligated. I think somebody else will probably do it. And maybe today the Lord's saying through Obadiah, why not you? Why not you? 
I'll share this. I have known people that with hesitancy jumped into some area of ministry and found themselves. They, they moved into it and things started to happen and they found this is who God always intended me to be this is what he always intended me to do and they look back and they say oh my goodness if I hadn't pushed past my fear and elevated my faith my trust in God to enable me to do what I was uncomfortable to do I would have never entered into this experience and and just like Obadiah saved a hundred people that were going to present God's word to maybe hundreds others you might present God's love and truth to some kids that'll grow up to have impact on maybe more people than you could ever count. I'm just, I'm just nudging you because I felt like the Spirit of God wanted me to do that. If you're, if you're hesitant, you're in the plan, I'd like to do it, but uh, I just don't know if I could pull it off. I'm afraid, I'm uncomfortable. I'm just urging you, take the leap, trust God, because you know what? If you go there and you try it, it's not, it's not the place for you, you can always step back and find that place elsewhere. Let me go on. What makes courage waken? Crisis is what wakened Obadiah's courage. There's no indication that he was a courageous guy at all when he was living the cushy life as the palace keeper for Ahab. There was no indication that he was a fearless guy, a courageous guy. But when this crisis occurs, Jezebel is rounding up the prophets of God, those that present the, God, the scripture. Uh, all of a sudden, he starts to, to find courage, pushing his fear back. He was afraid of Ahab. He was afraid of dying. He was not a fool. But at the same time, he just couldn't sit still and watch the, those that were faithful to God be prosecuted, persecuted, and put to death. Listen to this word that is meant to help us with our fear. And we should all have some fear because the kingdom has not come and God's will is not being done everywhere on the earth by everyone. So there's good reason to fear. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Remember Jesus said when he rose from the grave, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, make followers of all nations. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then the last part is the best part. He says, and I will be with you always. When we go where God wants us to go and we do what God wants us to do, he's got, he promises us he'll be with us always. I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear what, what can mere people do to me. Now, you don't say something like, I will have no fear, unless you have fear. This is somebody that's developing courage. Courage comes when my fear collides with a situation that God wants me to get involved in. I'm fearful, I'm uncomfortable, but I start realizing, no, 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 if God's nudging me to something, he's gonna be with me, and if God's with me, uh, I'll manage my fear. Courage is managing our fear. It doesn't mean being fearless. Let me share another one. Matthew 10, Jesus speaking once again, he says, do not be afraid of them who kill the body, they are not able to kill the what? The soul. We're, we're tripartite beings. Spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about keep your whole spirit, soul, and body uh, pure until the return of the Lord. They are not able to kill the soul, but fear, give reverence to, give respect to him who is able to destroy. Destroy means destroy. They don't exist anymore. Both what? What's the word? Soul and body in hell that, that opens up a whole different topic about hell but we don't want to talk about hell today we're talking about Obadiah today right so here's Jesus urging us and somehow the truth got through to Obadiah you know even if even if Ahab kills me I don't want him to kill me but even if he does this this calls for me to act and so jesus now urges us since he rose from the grave and he promises he'll raise all of those who are his followers from the grave that we are given as a free gift eternal life immortal immortality he says don't live in fear of those that can only the worst they can do they can only but kill you he says but they can't kill your soul now the danger is we sell our souls cheaply we sell our souls in little 
bits and chunks. We lose our souls in little bits and chunks. We don't usually even know when it's happening. We compromise here and we compromise there and we compromise that and we, we withdraw our devotion here and we withdraw our devotion there and we don't know that we're losing our souls in the process because it desensitizes us as we lose it. Jesus says, don't live that way. So this is why we of all people are called to courageous involvement in the work of God that feels scary and uncomfortable to us. Obadiah didn't even have a whole Bible, and he jumped into that. Let me share one more with you. It's a real simple passage from 1 Corinthians 16. There's three B's here, three B's. Be on guard, the Apostle Paul says to followers of Jesus in Corinth. Stand firm in the faith. Be, what is the second one? What is it? Be courageous and be strong. Three B's. Now, when God tells me to be something, he would never tell me to be something I don't have the ability to be. So he wouldn't tell me to be courageous unless I was feeling fear. Get this in your hearts, because I know some of you have been confused because, you know, your, your fear, your discomfort and certain things have held you back. You must learn, I must learn progressively through life where the will of God and the word of God is clear. I need to push past my fears and learn courageousness. But I believe that courageousness first comes from commitment. Remember I started you off saying which comes first, courage, courageousness, or commitment? I believe commitment comes first. I believe that once you are committed to the Lord and you know who he is and you know that he's for you, he'll never forsake you, never abandon you. And you know what his plans are, what his purposes are, what his promises are. That commitment, I believe, is the basis of courageous steps throughout the rest of our lives and life is meant to be an adventure an adventure with Christ our creator and that adventure only happens though as you and I like Obadiah take initiative we see a situation we see a crisis as it were and we say you know I'm going to sign my name up we, we read that verse like about the eyes of the Lord looking for those that are fully committed to him we say you know I'm going to be that guy I'm going to be that woman let me close with where the band was supposed to come up now band wherever you are <laughs> three C's four C's (laughs) so I believe that what Obadiah learns and what the spirit of God is trying to teach us today is that in this cave that cave where he hid a hundred prophets of the Lord he's trying to teach us today about commitment and he's trying to teach us about courage here's how I think it works how courage comes first there's commitment I'm committed to Christ I'm committed to God's word his will that's first that's unshakable But then sometimes in life, a crisis comes along. Obadiah was not looking for this situation. He he was trying to just live his life. He was a follower of the Lord, but he was not looking for trouble. But all of a sudden, a crisis arises. Jezebel's killing those that are faithful to the word of God. Nobody's doing anything. He could have just sat back and said, well, you know, I'm just gonna follow the government and do what they want, even though they're killing followers of the Lord. Or I'm just gonna pray. He could have done that, but he doesn't. He says, I'm gonna do something. The crisis created, it was part of the, the creation process of the courage. You've got to hear this. Often the things we see in life as crisis, as irritants, as things we want to throw up our hands, they are God's spirit putting a set of circumstance, a context, so that courage can start to rise up in us. Commitment to Christ, crisis, and then creativity. When you're in the crisis, man, you've got to think, what am I going to do? You're either going to think about how to escape are you going to think about how to resolve it? Obadiah thought about how to resolve it and how to resolve it even though it may have costed him his life. Commitment, crisis, creativity, and then comes the courage. It's after, it's after we go through the creative process and we get a plan. He had a plan that we then step forward and say, I'm going to see this through no matter what the cost. Now, let's ask ourselves a couple closing questions. Is it possible there's a crisis or something you've labeled crisis in your life and it's meant to be a catalyst from God. It's meant to catalyze creative thinking leading to courageous action. You've been wanting to find a way perhaps to escape it, to run from it, but God's saying, why don't you run toward it? Why don't you find a, a whole different level of strength in me 
And man, we're going to go on a ride together. And it's going to be exciting. And you will never regret the ride. Maybe there's something crisis-like in your life, but it's meant to, to stir creativity. And from creativity, ultimately, to courage. Maybe, maybe you're Obadiah today. There are some people that God has placed in your life you, me, we could do something about. We, we are meant to be the ones to hide them for a while. We're, we're meant to be the ones to supply them with some bread and water for a while. Literally or, or you know, just spiritually speaking. But, but we are the ones to stand in the gap for somebody. We're kind of not wanting to do it. We're kind of afraid to do it. We, we kind of worry about the cost it's going to bring to us. But God's saying today, you know, the opportunity is there. If you want to be my Obadiah and you want me to write about you someday... They're right there before you. you. You know who the people are you need to hide in the cave. There's some people you just need to protect for a while. You need to nurture for a while. You need to look over and shepherd for a while. They may or may not appreciate it. We don't know what these prophets did once they got out of the caves. But we can assume they did live on to stay loyal to God and to his word. Maybe there's someone that God is asking, urging, nudging you and I to take under wing today. And one last thing. Maybe this is just a day where the Spirit of God brought us together today so that we could at least one more time contemplate when the eyes of the Lord look throughout the earth and look in my heart, look in your heart, what does he see? Does he see one that is fully committed to him? Not, not half committed. Not even 75% committed. Does he see one fully committed to him? And if not, is there the slightest desire in your heart to say, you know what? Whatever it takes, whatever I need to do, whatever I need to change, whatever it's going to take that the Lord can look in my heart and know I'm on board completely. I am fully committed to him in every area of my life. He can look in my heart and know that I'm going to, I'm going to take the steps necessary today so that when the, the eyes of the Lord are looking around again, they're going to see my hand is up and I'm ready. I'm ready to roll for whatever he calls me to do, even if it becomes more costly than what I would like. Obadiah did. And that's why we're reading about him today. You know, it's kind of cool when we close this. We don't know anything about Obadiah, really. We, we, we don't know if he was married. We don't know if he had kids. We don't know if he was an extrovert or an introvert. We don't know if he was popular or unpopular. We don't know if he was fearful by nature or courageous. We don't really know much about him. I love the way God does this. He'll pick the best time in our lives, the one moment when we are faithful and loyal and courageous. He writes that down. And isn't it interesting the way he send, tends to just erase the failures, erase the, the faltering steps, and he just wants to boast on us. That's my son. That's my daughter. Look at what they're doing. Look at who they are. Be that person today. Be that one that the eyes of the Lord focus on today. And put a smile on the face of all heaven. Every one of us in this room has the power to do that. Some of us put a smile on the face of heaven. But for the first time in our life saying, I'm going to put my trust in Christ and be his follower from this day forward. Others of us, it's our day maybe to consider an Obadiah-like journey. Let's pray. Father, your eyes do see us. And you see right into our hearts. And, and that's a blessing to us that you really know us. And someday we'll know you just as you know us. Spirit of God. Do that deep work that only you can do that from the core of our beings we will rise up to walk in the steps of Obadiah. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.